We hope you get to come back tonight at 6 o'clock. We'll be preaching on revival again. And uh, we have um, Wednesday night, I thought the Lord met with us uh, speaking about the fire. And we pray that you'll get to come back here, uh, here tonight at 6 o'clock. Acts chapter 11. We began this message last Sunday morning, and we want to finish this up here this morning if we could. And uh, we preached on a thought was going to church lost. Going to church lost. Let's stand to our feet in honor of God's word. We'll read one verse, and then we'll, we'll backtrack and, and read and do as the Lord has us to do this morning. Going to church lost, it, it has a concern for me. Uh, I've been saying this for a long time, uh, that many church members don't know God. And we're living in that church of Laodicean today where God, the Lord, is on the outside. And he's not on the inside. Here in chapter 11, we find in verse 26, it says, And when, they, when he had found him and brought him unto Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church. That's the one word we want to look at. And taught much people, and the disciples, is the second word, were called Christians. That's the third word, first at Antioch. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, we're asking for the help of the Lord. We're praying that the Spirit of God would have your way, and you will in our hearts this morning. God, you tell us in your word not to quench the Spirit nor grieve the Spirit. And I pray, Father, that that hasn't took place. I pray in each one of us today, dear God, that we'd look into our hearts and look for any sin. God, anything and everything that's been dividing us and separating us and causing us this morning, God, to find ourselves uh, just away. I pray, Lord, to bring home every saint. I pray for every sinner in this room, unsaved. God, just save them. Father, open our eyes toward the Word of God concerning these three words, the church, disciples, and Christian. God, help us to understand it more clearly, God, and Father, we'll take out of this uh, time together, Lord, and we'll tell our family and tell our friends and co-workers just what we might have heard today. God, make, a, make an impression on our hearts today, God. Make it, make it the impact, God, that we leave different than we came. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Amen. You may be seated. So we find here that in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20, and Mark chapter 16, verse 15, we find the Great Commission. The Great Commission to the disciples was, uh, to the apostles was, to go into all nations, go into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. And we find that once you teach all nations, uh, you begin to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them the things of God. And so we find in the Scripture very clearly and very plainly uh, what is the apostles to do during those days. We come to Acts chapter 11, and that has been taking place. We find that there's the church of Jerusalem has now came down to Antioch. And in Antioch, they have found a group of people that were just sinners. And we preached on that this morning, uh, last Sunday morning, and we talked about the sinners that became disciples. And friend, we find the only way to become a disciple is that you become a sinner. Amen? No, anybody that's not a sinner will not be saved. Amen? Until you become a sinner, can you be a disciple this morning? And all those who say that they're not a sinner and all those who say they don't need to be saved will never be a disciple, ever. You can't ever get saved unless you get lost. Amen? That's the problem with many people. They never get lost. They never, get un, they never come ungodly. They never come unholy. They always think in their mind and their heart uh, that they're good and that they're righteous and that they do all things right. But yet this morning we find here in Antioch there was just a few sinners that became disciples. We found how they did that was the church was preaching. The church of Jerusalem came forth, came down, and these men that came from that church began to preach. And they began to preach the Lord Jesus. We see that in chapter 11. Uh, look there in verse, uh, verse 14. I'm sorry, verse 20. The Bible says, And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And that's what brought forth a sinner to disciple 
preaching the Lord Jesus. Not preaching Mickey Mouse, not preaching uh, Ronald Reagan, uh, not preaching uh, uh, maybe somebody like John MacArthur, uh, not preaching what you think that you can preach or what you want to preach or, or how you want to preach it, how you want to do it, but preaching the Lord Jesus. That's how a sinner becomes a disciple, preaching the Lord Jesus, not the servant Jesus, not the prophet Jesus, uh, not the preacher Jesus, not the miracle worker Jesus, but the Lord Jesus. Amen. We've got to get this clear, church, or nobody will be born again. And preaching the Lord Jesus, they preach that Jesus is born of a virgin, that Jesus lived a sinless life, that Jesus done wonders and signs and miracles, that Jesus died on a cross, Jesus was buried, Jesus arose, and Jesus ascended. He to forgive sins, to give eternal life, uh, to live in others. Amen. That's the gospel this morning. The, that's the Lord Jesus, and that's what they were preaching. We find not only was the church preaching, but we see that the church that was there of, of Antioch received it. What did they receive? Look at verse 1. The Bible says, The apostles and brethren that were in Judea that heard the Gentiles also received the word of God. We find this morning that's how they became a disciple. They received the word of God. Uh, they accepted the word of God. That word received means they took the word of God. That word, that word received means they embraced the word of God. That word received means they approved the word of God. That word received means they get the word of God. You ever talk to somebody, they just don't. Well, I'm telling you something, when you're a sinner and you get it, you become a disciple, amen? And so they received the word of God, not the traditions of the Father, uh, not the, the mold or the menu of the church, uh, not what we think and not what we believe, but they received the word of God. The power is in the word of God, amen? The power is in the gospel of Christ. The power is in Christ. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And the word of God is what they received. And when these sinners in Antioch received the word of God, they became disciples, amen, received it. They got it. We find the second thing that took place was the church began to believe. The church of Antioch that were sinners, they became disciples. They believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 17. And for as much then as God hath given them the like gift as he did unto us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. So who they believe on? They believed on the Lord. Who's the Lord? The supreme in authority. Jesus, the supreme in authority. He's God. Amen. He's the giver and disposer of all things. He's the creator of the world. And friend, whenever you are going to be a sinner and become a disciple, you're going to have to believe that Jesus is Lord. Amen. He's God. Number two, you don't need to believe that he's Lord, but you're going to have to believe that he is Jesus. And by Matthew chapter 1, verse 2 says, Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. You've got to believe Jesus is Savior. Amen. Not only Jesus is Lord and that he's God, but you have to believe that Jesus is Savior. He's Redeemer. He's a Reconciler. Amen. He is the one this morning that has saved our souls. He's the one who's forgiven us our sins. He's the one who's redeemed this. Amen. He was the atonement and the sacrifice unto God. It was God's blood that shed upon the cross of Calvary for the sinners. And when they believe it, they become a disciple. Amen. But not only do they believe the Lord, the supreme in authority, and Jesus, the Savior, but to believe Christ. Christ, the anointed one, the approved one. Uh, according to the scripture, he is the, the, uh, the appointed one. Amen. Jesus Christ. So when you believe, you got to believe this morning, not just Jesus, the miracle worker, Jesus, the prophet, Jesus, the teacher, but Jesus, the Lord, Jesus, the, the Savior, and Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, the appointed one, the approved one. The only one, the holy one, amen, none other beside him. Uh, he, the Lord this morning, is the Christ. And so when you believe this morning in order to be a disciple, this is how you do. Uh, to commit, the word believe means to commit to the Lord. 
uh, believe not only just a mental ascent. I have knowledge that Jesus is Lord. I have some sort of education that Jesus is, born, uh, is, is Lord. I have some sort of uh, taught when I was a kid in Sunday school. And I went to church and I did this and I did that. No, the word believe means to commit. I commit to the Lord as my Lord and Savior. Amen. That word believe means I commit, but it means this morning to entrust. I entrust my soul unto Jesus. I entrust my life unto Christ. I entrust who I am unto Him. And I will not only commit to Him as Lord, but I will entrust in Him as Savior. For my sins be forgiven. That word believe, now it means entrust and commit, but it means to credit. And you're going to credit to Christ uh, that He is the anointed one. <coughs> he is the one uh, that is the Messiah, he's the one this morning that is the approved one. I give credit to him. If somebody say to me, who is the approved of God? Jesus. Amen. And so we find that's how you become a disciple. Secondly, we preached about disciples are called Christians. Not only sinners become disciples, but disciples are now called Christians. We see that in verse 26, the first time it's mentioned there. It says disciples were called Christians. Now, how in the world did the disciples that are called Christians, what brought them to that place as a disciple? Well, we learned uh, from last week, verse 21, uh, the Bible says they turned unto the Lord. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and the great number believed and turned unto the Lord. You see, this morning, if you're ever going to be a sinner that becomes a disciple that's called a Christian, a Christians are those who have turned unto the Lord. Those who have been going one direction and living a certain way and doing certain things, now they have turned from their old ways, turned from their sin, uh, turned from whom they are, and then turned unto the Lord. It, it is a 180 degrees way of life. It's a 180 degrees way of thought. It's a change of mind and a change of heart results in a change of life. Friend, listen, if you've never turned unto the Lord and turned from your idols or turned from your vanities or turned from your sin this morning, you'll never be a Christian. you got to turn unto the Lord. Amen. Now, I know this ain't preached much, and I know many people don't believe that. That's why our church is a little small, because people don't want to turn unto the Lord. They want to live in their sin. They want to live like they always live. They want to do as they always done. They don't want to turn unto God and give up their life unto Him. And friend, I tell you something this morning. If you're ever going to become a Christian, you're going to have to turn unto the Lord. And if you don't, friend, you're going to die and go to hell. We find number two, turning unto the Lord. But we found the cleaving unto the Lord. Look at verse 23. The Bible says, who, when he came and seen the grace of God, was glad, exhorted them all that the purpose of heart they could, they would cleave unto the Lord. Not only a turning unto the Lord, but there's a cleaving unto the Lord. We understand that cleaving. We, we hear that all the time about a marriage, right? A man should leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife. That means that he's going to come to a place where they're, gonna, they're going to uh, remain together. They're going to adhere together. They're going to be uh, preserved together. That means to abide with. It means to stay further. And all it's saying this morning is this, is when a man or a woman or a boy or girl who's a sinner, who wants to be a disciple, who are called Christians, uh, they're going to have to cleave unto the Lord. Uh, they're going to have to come and adhere unto Him. They're going to have to be adhesive unto Him. They have to stay with Him. They're going to have to hold to Him. They're going to have to come to a place in their life where they are preserved in Him. And that's what it means to cleave this morning. Many people don't want to cleave. Many people today don't want to have this mindset of what the truth of the Scripture says concerning being a Christian. Cleaving unto the Lord. But no, they're still cleaving under the nightlife and cleaving under their, the, the friends that they had. Cleaving under the ways of life. Cleaving under not coming to church. Cleaving under the philosophy of the world. Cleaving under the ideology. Cleaving under the religion of grandpa and grandma. Cleaving under a lot of things, but not cleaving under the Lord this morning. And I say to you, you'll not be a Christian unless you cleave unto the Lord. Unless you turn. To the Lord. You'll find this morning, thirdly, 
in verse 24 is the adding unto the Lord. The Bible says, and he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith and much people was added unto the Lord. There be no adding unto the Lord if there's no turning unto the Lord. And there's no turning of the Lord, there be no cleaving unto the Lord. But if you turn and cleave, you'll find you'll be added. Amen. Uh, we find that word added means to join to. It means to gather with. It means to number with one's favor this morning. Acts chapter 2 verse 47 says, And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved this morning. And everyone who becomes a disciple who's called a Christian is added to the church. You are put in the church. You are baptized by one spirit into one body of the church this morning. And Fred, when you are added unto the church, you're never unadded. <laughs> Whenever you're ever joined unto the church, you're never unjoined. And you ever become part of the church, you never, never come to a place of not being part of the church. God doesn't add unto his church to take away from his church. He doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't make accidents. When he knows that one friend that would believe of the Lord Jesus Christ, receive his word, turn unto the Lord, and then cleave unto the Lord. He says, I'll add them to the church. Amen. I'm talking about being a disciple who's called a Christian. Anything less than that, you're not. You're just fake. You're phony. You're deceived. You're a child of the devil. We find this morning disciples were called Christians. And here, lastly, we see that the Christians are the church. You see that Acts chapter 11 in verse 26, three words identifies. These three are one. That's probably what our title of the message. Three and one. We find the Bible says the church, the disciples, the Christians. That's one. That's one. If you're the church, you're the Christian. If you're a disciple, you're a Christian. If you're a Christian, your church. The church, Christian disciple, are all one. You're all that. Amen. That's what the Bible's teaching this morning. The church, the Christian, the disciple is not three. You don't become a disciple and ever, then later on you become a Christian. Then once you become a Christian, you're the church. No. No, you all become all that. When you become a disciple, you become a Christian, you become a church. And in doing that, we find here thirdly this morning as uh, being a disciple. Uh, we find, as we ended here last week, the stunning Scripture. Look in Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. The stunning Scripture that we thought we found. The possibility of this is uh, sobering this morning. In Luke chapter 14 and verse 26, the Bible says, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren, his sisters, yea, his own life. Also, he cannot be my disciple. The stunning scripture is you cannot be my disciple. That's stunning. Look there in verse 27. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Stunning. Verse 33. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple in other words what jesus is saying is you cannot be my disciple but he's also saying you cannot be my church and then you can't be my christian so let's not get this confused this morning if you cannot be a disciple you say okay then i'll be a christian so if i can't be a disciple then then i'll be the church no jesus is saying you can't be my church you can't be my christian if you can't be my disciple Amen. That's what he's saying. Sobering. Man, it's stunning to me. Number two, I want you to know it's not only the stunning scripture, but the sobering statement that he makes in verse 26. He says, you've got to love less your family. Because we know this morning, a lot of people say, what's well, all about the family? No, it's not. It's all about Jesus. They say, well, you know the family comes first. No, they don't. Jesus. You know, the family, you know, when it's all said and done, they'll be there. Well, I hope that that's true for you. Though it's all said and done, Jesus will be there. 
I can say to you this morning, in church today, outside of church, and everywhere else you go, they're going to highlight the family, highlight the family, highlight the family. Everything's about the family, the family this, the family that. It's about the family. It's about children, about spouse, about mama and daddy. It's about this and that and yonder. Friend, but I tell you this morning, if you're going to be the disciple of the church, you're going to be a Christian this morning, it's not going to be about the family because you've got to love the family less. Then you love Jesus. Matter of fact, that love for your family is going to look like hate. That that love of Jesus that you have. Jesus is drawing a line. Jesus is saying, listen, friend, uh, you think it's just as, as easy and you think it's just as, as, uh, as elementary as just praying a prayer, as getting baptized, as joining an independent fundamental Bible, even a church carrying a King James Version Bible, singing the old hymns and, and the traditional songs today. Friend, I'm telling you, it's more than that. It's you have to be a disciple. If you're not a disciple, friend, then you uh, are not a church and you're not a Christian. Today, you're going to have to hate. You're going to have to hate. That's love less. Your family than Jesus. We find this morning, as we are praise, turn to Matthew chapter 10, verse 37. Not only do you have to love less your family, but you're going to have to love more your family. Look in Matthew chapter 10. Look what it says. A sobering statement that Jesus is making. Chapter 10, verse 37, he says of Mark, I'm sorry, Matthew, Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, verse 37, I'm sorry. The Bible says, he that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. In other words, what Jesus is saying is this, is your care more about your family than you care about me. You care more about your family than you care about me. You're more concerned about your family than you are of me. And you're more committed to your family than you are with me. And because of that, you're not worthy of me. That word worthy means deserve. He says, you're not, you don't deserve me. That means that you're not the right person for me. What Jesus is saying is you cannot be my disciple. You cannot be my church. You, can be, no, you cannot be my, my Christian uh, uh, friend because you're not worthy of me because you don't care. You're not concerned or committed to me, but you are to them more of them than to me. And we talked about Adam. When Adam was presented with Eve, and Eve brought forth the fruit that God told Adam not to eat of, he was there in a position where either he ate the fruit and all of the world would be plunged into, into uh, to sin, depravity, or he could have said to Eve, Eve, I know you already ate of that fruit, but God said me not to eat that fruit, and so I'm going to have to obey God rather than to obey you. But you know what Adam chose? Adam chose to obey Eve rather than to obey God. And God looked at Adam and said, you're not worthy of me. You don't deserve me. You think that's harsh? That's true. You're not worthy of me. And I'm just saying this morning concerning the family that you're going to have to love less and you're going to have to love Jesus more in order to be his disciple, in order to be his church, in order to be his Christian. We find here, we ended there, so let's begin here. Not only to hate to be a disciple, but you're going to have to hold to Jesus Christ, or hold to be a disciple. And one thing you've got to hold to is hold to Jesus Christ's cross. Amen. Go back to Luke chapter 14 and look in verse 27. Not only to hate to be a disciple, but you're going to have to hold to be a disciple. Chapter 14 of Luke in verse 27. The Bible says, if any man come to me and hate not his brother and, and his mother and his wife, children and brother and sisters, that's the family, yea, his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever does not bear his cross, 
You're going to have to hold to the cross of Jesus. In order to be the disciple, in order to be the church, in order to be the Christian, you're going to have to come to a place where you're going to have to hold to the Christ sacrifice. you got to hold to Christ's suffering. you got to hold to Christ's shame. Whenever you're faced with the world and the world wants to put tribulation upon you or put suffering upon you, you got to hold to the cross of Christ. You have to say, you can do whatever you want to do. You can make the promotion not happen. You can take away my pay. You can, you can take me away from this company. Uh, you can do as you please to do, but I'm holding to the cross of, of Christ. I'm holding to his sacrifice, his suffering, and his shame. And me, by holding that, may face some hard times and difficult times and may some difficult days. And, friend, it may be something harmful and hurtful. But yet, friend, if you're my disciple, Jesus said, you've got to bear his cross. You've got to suffer. You've got to have shame you got to come to a place of sacrifice and hold his cross when they all want to throw you under the bus they all want to remove you out of their lives they all want to say get away from me they all want to say that you're a hypocrite and that you're good at two shows and you think you know everything because you believe in the cross of calvary you got to hold to the cross that's a Christian this morning, holding on to the cross, not backing down, not saying okay, not giving in, not being tolerant, not being a mellow, not being compromised or complacent. But no, I'm holding to the cross of Calvary. That's where Jesus suffered. That's where Jesus sacrificed. That's where Jesus experienced same. I will hold to that. That's if you're a disciple. That's if you're the church. That's if you're a Christian. Amen. See, we that are Americans are very spoiled. We that are Americans are very lazy. And me, we that are Americans today, we don't want to face pain. We don't want no suffering in our lives. We don't want anything, friend. Uh, we want everything to go smooth and fast and instant. And you know what? By and large, it's been like that. All my 60 years, everything's been given. Everything's been shown. Everything's been offered. Everything's been. We hadn't had to suffer. We hadn't had to follow through sacrifice. We hadn't had to go through shame. Give me a break. We live in the greatest country that's ever been born. But it may not be so in the future. Christians will hold to the cross. We'll hold, friend, to the place where Jesus died and forgive us of our sins. Now will they hold to the cross, the Christ's cross, but then they'll hold to Christ's character. He says in verse 30, in verse um, 38, verse 27, he says, and come after me, he cannot be my disciple. And keep your finger there in Luke, in Matthew chapter 10, where we just read a little while ago. I want to bring out this thought as well. Matthew chapter 10, and there in verse 37. We see it clearly as Jesus is just laying it out to these folks. He, he's giving the clear Understanding in verse 38, and he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me. See, it's not only to hold to the cross of Christ, there's more to it. You're going to have to hold to the character of Christ and follow after me. And follow me. Come after me, he said in verse 27 of Luke chapter 14. Follow after me. Uh, that word follow there, it means to side with Jesus. It means to be in the same way of Jesus. It means to accompany Jesus. You're going to accompany His Word. You're going to accompany His Spirit. You're going to accompany His, His church. Everything and anything that Jesus is in, you're going to say, I'm going to follow. I'm going to follow the old Word of God, the King James Version Bible. Or I'm going to follow the old sweet Holy Ghost of God as it guides and leads and brings wisdom upon my mind and my heart. I'm going to follow the church of God. I'm going to follow where church of God leads. Amen. I know that those are the men and women of God. I know they've been saved by the grace of God, washed in the blood of the Lamb. I'm going to go where the church goes. I'm going to go where the Word goes. I'm going to go where the Spirit goes. I'm going to follow 
follow Jesus. I'm going to accompany him. I'm going to side with him. Amen. It doesn't matter if all the world quits Jesus. I'm not quitting Jesus. I don't care if everybody in the church takes off and leaves and becomes a Mormon, Jehovah Witness, a Muslim, a Jew, whatever you want to become, an atheist. I am going to follow Jesus. Amen. That's a disciple. That's a church. That is a Christian. Amen. Friend, we don't find this much anymore. We find this, this is the kind of Christianity of 2022 as weak and anemic and very shallow and has no a place where for suffering or for sacrifice. And they walk around as they always have walked around and doing they always ever done and living a life of darkness and living a life of sinfulness and wickedness and yet at the same time calling themselves a disciple, the church, the Christian this morning. Friend, I'm telling you, that's not the Word of God. The Word of God says if you're going to be my disciple, you're going to have to, number one, hate to be my disciple. You're going to have to hold to Jesus' cross, and you're going to have to hold to Jesus' character. Hey, man, there's something to be said about the church and its character today. Where's the church and its integrity? Where's the church today in the world of darkness who's supposed to be the light? Where are we? If we're the real disciples and the real church and the real Christian, then we'll follow after Jesus. No matter who's against us. No matter the cost to pay. No matter the trouble that we have before us. Can I say here thirdly, not to hold to cross the cross of Christ and the character of Christ, but to humble to be a disciple. Not only hold and hate, but to humble to be a disciple. He says this in verse 39. And, to, and Matthew chapter 10, as we go back and forth, the Bible says, He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. Humble. Only hold and hate, but humble. Humble to be my disciple. Lose his life. Lose his life. In other words, today, if you're going to be the disciple, you're going to be the church. You're going to be the Christian. You have to lose your life. That means that word lose there means to destroy. It means to die. And the Bible says in verse 39 of Matthew 10, he says, for my sake. Lose your life for my sake. That's why you would lose it for his sake. Why in the world would I want to die for his sake? Why would I want to crucify his sake. Why would I want to tell the Lord, Lord, listen, I don't know how many more years I've got. I don't know how much more life I have. I don't know what's before me. But Lord, I tell you, I died of my every dreams. I died of all my visions. I died of all of my wealth. I died of all of my prosperity. I died within who I am and where I'm going and what I am today. And I ask you, Lord, to be my Savior and my Lord this morning. He says, unless you lose your life. For my sake. It's going to take humility to do that. You can't be full of pride. And you can't be full of self this morning. It's going to be humble. Humble is the disciple of the Lord. Holding and hating this morning. But then he said. He loses his life for my sake. He said but you shall find it. You're going to find life. With Jesus. You're going to find life in Jesus. You're going to find life for Jesus. Amen. Lose his life for his sake, and you find life. You'll find a life with Jesus. You'll find a life walking with Jesus. You'll find a life worshiping Jesus. You'll find a life doing with Jesus. You'll find a life that, that as uh, Paul has said in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, I mentioned it this morning. He says this, for to me to live is Christ. That's the life you live. And to die is gain. But you've got to lose your life. How, do you know how many Christians want to lose their life? Nobody. You know how many disciples in the church, you go and talk to them this morning, you go down to Sugar Creek or you go down to River Walk or River Place or whatever that's place called, or you go to any other place, Joel Osteen's and, and all over there. You say, hey, listen, man, I heard a message this morning. In order for me to be a disciple uh, or a church or a Christian, I'm going to have to lose my life. They'll look at you cross-eyed. They'll say, what in the world are you talking about? 
Jesus says you got to lose your life for my sake, and then I give you life. Now, I've lived a long time, 25 years, in my own life. But I've, I've been living for Jesus for 35 years. And I'm going to tell you on this side, I've lived better in 35 years than I did in 25 years. I'm telling you, experience today uh, will tell you uh, from me, I don't know about you, but the life in Christ is a whole lot better than life without Christ. The hard part was getting humble to losing it. Not only to lose his life, but secondly, I know it's the humble to be disciple is to let go his life. The Bible says, look in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24. Again, Jesus said, then Jesus said unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Same thought, let go his life. Not only lose his life, but let go his life. Reject it. Refuse it. In order for you to be a disciple this morning, the church and a Christian, you got to come to the place in your life and you say, what? I reject my life. I refuse my life. I deny it. I'm not living this way any longer. I'm not going down that journey anymore. I'm not going to be part of that life any longer. I'll not be of that club. I'll not be of that people. I'll not be of that substance. I'll not be within that arena. I'll not be of that part. I reject my life. I refuse it. He said, if you're going to be my disciple, you're going to have to deny yourself. See, the question is this. When they went up to Jesus, Jesus, who then can be saved? He said, a few. Right? If we take the scripture as it is being said this morning, do you think a whole lot of people will be saved? <laughs> That's why the road for the lost is wide, right? And for the saved is narrow. I'm not saying that this morning with pride in my heart and with joy in my heart because the, the road is wide and, and narrow and I'm not saying that because Jesus said a few but I am saying this this morning if you are saved you'll be thanking God that you're on that narrow way you'll be thanking God this morning that you at one time denied yourself and what one time you have followed him and at one time friend you have hated uh, for him amen that you might be his disciple this morning and his church and his Christian amen hallelujah glory to God that God has done that in my life Many others haven't. Lose his life, let go his life, but then thirdly, notice, love less his life. Look in Luke chapter, 20, chapter 14, verse 26. We read this while ago, but we didn't make any mention of it. Luke 14 and verse 26. It gives us a but maybe a, a clear understanding about ourself this morning because ourself is in the way in many occasions. The Bible says love less his life, let go his life, lose his life. He says in verse 26, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and here's my point, and his own life also. And his own life also. You have to hate your life you got to love your life less than the life of Christ to be his disciple sobering statements sobering love Christ over you love Christ's word over you love Christ's spirit over you love Christ's church over you You've got to love yourself less. In order for you to be the church, in order for you to be the Christian, in order for you to be the disciple, you've got to hate yourself. You know what the world says? Love yourself. The world says you can't love anybody unless you love yourself first. Jesus said you hate yourself. Then you'll be loved. Amen. You choose this morning whom you're going to love. If it's going to be you above Christ, you can't be his disciple.
if it's going to be your family above Christ, you can't be his disciple. If you can't bear his cross and you can't take on his cross and hold to his cross, you can't be his disciple. And if you can't hold to the character of Jesus by following him and denying yourself and being what Christ would have you to be in the way of him, you can't be his disciple. If you can't be his disciple, you can't be his Christian. If you can't be his Christian, you can't be his church. Humbling. Humbling. The Bible says in chapter 14, verse 26, if any man come to me. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, it says, if any man will come after me. Matthew 16, 24 says, if any man will come after me. He's asking to come. But you have to come. But you have to come understanding that you're going to have to receive his word. And you're going to have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're going to have to turn unto the Lord, and you've got to cleave unto the Lord, and he'll add you unto himself. And by doing that, friend, you'll find that you will hate, means you'll love him more than your family. And then you'll hate, that means you'll love him more than you love you. Amen. Then you can become his disciple, the church, the Christian. But you've got to come. Will you come? Will you come? That's the problem. You see, when people really get the truth, when people, if I would say to the church, hey, listen, do you, anybody want to go to heaven? Everybody in this room would raise your hand. No matter what place I'm at, if there's a thousand people in the mall or wherever I'm at, say, anybody want to go to heaven? Raise your hand. Do you think everybody raised their hand? Pretty much everybody raised their hand. And you say, okay, now, to go to heaven now, all you got to do is, all you got to do is pray this prayer, pray after me. Lord, I'm a sinner. Would you come to my heart and save me? Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. Now, if you prayed that prayer, you can be saved and you can go to heaven. Do you think everybody prayed that, prayed that prayer? Sure. But when you lay out the truth, like we laid out the truth this morning, and you lay out the word of God and say, hey, here's how you become a disciple. Not many want to go. That's why he says, if you come, if you come. Not many are coming. Because, see, the truth of the matter is, Jesus gives it straight out. A stunning scripture. You cannot be my disciple. Stunning. You're not worthy of me. The scary situation is this, and this, and I close with this thought. The scary situation is lose his own soul. We find that in Matthew 16, 26, Matthew 10, 39. Lose his own soul. Now, if you don't come this morning and you become my disciple, he said, you'll lose your own soul. Now, you'll win the world. You'll win the world, like it says in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 39, right? He that finds his life shall lose it, and he that loses his life shall, for my sake shall find it. We find that in Matthew 16, verse 26. We see in the scripture as well. For what is a man profited if he had gained the whole world and lose his own soul? And what a man should give in exchange for his soul? That's a scary situation this morning that you might be in. Lose your own soul. You know, you'll win the whole world. You have, educa you have education. You have family. You have success. You've been prosperous. You've got money. You've got influence. You've got privilege. You've got, you've got happiness. You got all your friends, you got all your sin, you got all your pleasures, you got all the thing, everything around you. As I was witness, witnessing to a guy this week, I said to him, I said, I said, sir, I said, you got family, you got children, you got cars, you got everything in the world. Why do you need God? Why do you need God? He said, well, that's a good question. Why do I need God? And I said, the reason why you need God is because you'll lose your own soul. And you got everything in the world. You, you won the world. I said, you got everything you ever wanted, man. I said, you got bar, you got, you got boats, you got cars, you got guns. You go wherever you want to go. His wife is a dentist, so they got money. And he's got thousands of dollars. His, his father-in-law and mother-in-law are millionaires. They own 600, 610 acres out there by San Antonio. 
on a ranch. I said, why do you need God? He had no answer. He said, I don't guess I do. I said, except you're going to lose your own soul. It changed the whole tone of the conversation. And I wonder this morning, I wonder if everybody in this room who's gained the whole world, but by gaining the whole world, you lose your own soul. You die and go to hell. And your soul will spend an eternity in a place called hell. On the day of judgment, that hell will be cast into the lake of fire. For all of eternity will you be condemned in flame, suffering, forever and forever. Would you count the cost this morning? I want you to turn to uh, one more verse here, Matthew chapter 14. I'm sorry, Luke, Luke chapter 14, verse 28. Luke 14, verse 28. We've been all over this today. He says this. For which of you intended to build a tower, sitteth not down first and counted the cost, whether you have sufficient to finish it, lest happily after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it began to mock him, saying, This man began to build, and wise was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, set it down first, consulteth whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000. Or else, while the other is a great way off, and sendeth in Abbasis, and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Count the cost. Now Jesus is counting the cost in you. I want you to look at it from this perspective this morning. A lot of people preach that this is you counting the cost to come to Jesus. But this is Jesus counting the cost for you to come to him. Are you worthy to come to him? Jesus is counting the cost. Are the materials that he's about to receive, are they able to build the church that he's going to build? Are you the material this morning that can build the church? Jesus says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But this morning, he's counting the cost. He's looking at you. He's saying, okay now, are you the material that I will build my church with. Are you the material? Kind of puts a different way looking at it, don't it? See, Jesus won't be mocked if you look at that scripture. He says that man began to build and was not able to finish. And so Jesus is looking at you and saying, are you the material that I can build my church with? And all of a sudden, he starts with you, and five years later, you leave the church. And they mock Jesus. I, I say, you didn't count the cost, Jesus. Uh, they left you in five years. You said you was going to build the church, but look at that material. They done took off. No, no, Jesus counts it before he had. Before he calls you, before he saves you, he's already counted the cost. Is that one going to be one as material to build my church? Jesus will not be mocked. That means everyone he saves, he keeps. He loses none. Can I say that? Secondly, in this passage, not only does Jesus count the cost, but I know that Jesus is counting the cost in you, but I know that Jesus is considering the cost of you. In other words, he's calculating the cost for you this morning in verses 31 through 32. He says, are you going to be the soldiers that can fight the battle? So he's talking about a battle there. Verse 31 and verse 32, isn't he? And so he's looking, he's consulting, he's saying, okay, now I've already told you how to become my disciple. Now I'm telling you about, about counting the cost. I'm counting the cost about you. Are you going to be the building material? But now he's counting the cost about whether you're going to be the soldier." That's going to fight the battle. Are you going to, am I going to save you? Then you get out and you're going to wimp out. I'm going to save you and you're not going to put on the armor of God. I'm going to save you and you're going to just go out into a hole somewhere and hide because you're scared. He said, oh, no. <laughs> he said, I'm considering the cost. I know that whom I call 
and whom I save will be the soldier. And I wonder this morning, are you the soldier that he would save to be part of his army? You notice his army will going to be less than the rest. He says, well, a guy who has 10,000, who's going to fight against those who have 20,000? And Jesus is saying to you and I, listen, we're always going to be the least. But on my side, we win every time. But are you going to be that soldier that I can add to my army? Are you that one? Jesus is considering the cost of you in the way in verse 34 and verse 35. He says this, salt is good, but if the salt have lost its savior, wherewith shall it be seasoned? For it is neither fit for the land nor yet for the dunghill, but men cast it out. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. He's considering the cost of you. Are you the salt that he can reach the earth with? Salt is a preservative. Are you a preservative for your children? Are you a preservative for your friends? Are you a preservative for your family? Are you that salt? He's counting the cost. He told you how to be a disciple. And now he's on his side saying, I don't know if you will be that salt that's a preservative. I need salt that preserves in this earth. Are you that salt? The word salt there also means it's a purifying. It's an agent that purifies. I wonder if I place a saved mama in an unsaved family. Will that bring purification? If I take a, a, a saved daddy and put him in a workplace, will he bring purification in that workplace? Huh? Jesus is counting the cost on his disciples now. Before you become a disciple, he's uncounted this. Will you be that salt, that preservation, that purifying? Hey, that salt is a flavoring. Salt brings flavor. Are you bringing flavor to this earth? Are you looking like the earth? Are you tasting? When somebody looks at you, do they taste the earth? Or do they taste the salt? Whenever they watch your life, is it a flavor of God or is it a flavor of the world? See, he's counting the cost for you to be his disciple. Salt always causes thirst. I wonder this morning when people look at your life, do they see Jesus, and they thirst after Jesus. See, Jesus is counting the cost to be his disciple. You just don't pop up and say, I want to be your disciple, Lord. He said, oh, no, I've got to count the cost for you. I'm just wondering, are you the material for the church for me to build? Are you the soldier for the battle I need to fight? And are you the salt that I need to go forth and purify and preserve the world with? You just can't be my disciple at your whim. you got to be my disciple after I consider. How about you this morning? It will cost you this morning, verse 33, it will cost you to be a disciple everything. Everything. Verse 33, read it, read it clearly. It will cost you everything to be the disciple, to be the church, to be the Christian. Or you cannot be my disciple and you're not worthy of me. I wonder, dear sinner friend, would you become a disciple today? I wonder, dear sinner friend, once you become a disciple, you become a Christian. And once you become a Christian, you become the church. That's the three in one. Would you come unto me, he said? You come. Let's stand to our feet, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. A lot of stirring scriptures that we read this morning. I, I know I probably went through a whole lot more than I usually do, but it's where the Lord led us this morning. Now here's the invitation. Jesus has given it. And he says to you, as he did in those three passages, if you'll come unto me. You're not coming unto me as your pastor or as your friend. And you're not coming unto this church. And you're not coming unto anybody in this room. But if you come, you're going to come unto Jesus. Amen. Will you come? You come. If Jesus is drawing you, he said, I've already counted the cost. That one is my material. 
That one is my soldier. That one is my salt. If he's drawing you, the Father is drawing you this morning. The Holy Ghost of God's drawing you. He said, if I be lifted up, I draw all men unto myself. And Lord, I tried to lift you up today. I tried to raise up your name. Would you draw men unto yourself? The Father will draw you. Christians are praying. Sinners, will you consider? Will you consider Christ today? Make sure that you know you're 100% sure if you die, you go to heaven. If there's any doubt this morning, let's get in the Word of God and let's get that settled. Would you come? Would you come? Brother George, you dismissed us this morning. I hope you get to come back tonight at 6. We're preaching on that subject of revival. Brother George, you dismiss us. Life is easy when you're up on the mountain and you've got peace of mind like you've never known. But then things change, friend, and you're down in. Oh, God.
Yeah.